What's up, everybody? Yours truly back in the space, back in the place. Once again, Mickey Smith Jr. And you are here, guys. You're back with us. We call it See the Sound, helping educators everywhere uh, create 180 days, a sound 180 of classroom instruction and harmony, guys. It's a school year, but watch this. It's your year, and we're here together. Life's better when we band together. So on this podcast, we we bring in, in, in phenomenal, phenomenal individuals who just share their stories, their life, their struggles, their wins. And uh, I believe at the end of the day, we're made better when we hear these sounds. We call it See the Sound. And today, I am so excited, guys. We got my man. Well, you're gonna learn, I'm telling you, you're going to learn a lot about him today. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. And you're going to learn a lot about what makes us great together. Uh, dear friend of mine, my brother from the bayou, y'all, Mr. Chris Dear, We're excited to have you, Chris. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, Mickey. Thanks so much for having me. You know, when you reached out, I said, end of, end of story. I'm doing this. Let's go. <laughs> I just got back in town. And, and I'm ready for it. So, I mean, just being on here with you, uh, I can't think of a better a better time to spend my day. So I sincerely appreciate you having me and hope I can give some, some good insight and, and receive some good insight as well. Most definitely, man. And look, we appreciate you. Appreciate you. So look, guys, you know how we do it. On the other side of this sound, you're going to see the sound. That's right, everybody. We're here once again. See the sound with yours truly, Mickey Smith Jr. And today we have a phenomenal guest, guys. Look, I'm not just saying this because this dude is a cool dude or he has a great beard. You can't see that, but I'm telling you, he has a magnificent beard, guys. Great, great hair, too. I'm, I'm kind of low-key jealous. I'm just saying. But my man is here. He is the 2020 Louisiana Teacher of the Year national finalist as well. And look, look, look. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give you another stat. Look, you may not know this, but but this gentleman, Mr. Chris Deere, is actually the first person to ever comment or tweet under my reign as Grammy Music Educator of the Year. We're going to have to talk about that one. That was my first time meeting him. I was in Los Angeles. It was crazy, man. But but I, we'll get to all that in due time. I just want to say again, welcome, welcome. Look, Chris, if you got we got folks on here that are listening, they may be familiar with you. We may have some folks that they're just they're just hearing you for the first time. Just take a moment and let the people know who you are and what you're all about, man. Yeah, sure thing. And that, that was incredible when I when I saw you at the Grammys, because that's how I was introduced uh, to you as well. But yeah, my name is Chris Deere. I'm a teacher in New Orleans, Louisiana. I teach US history to high schoolers, juniors, and, and some seniors. I was born in New Orleans. I was raised right outside of New Orleans in Chalmette. If you're from the area, you have you have an idea of what it is. Uh, this is my 12th year of teaching. Started teaching when I was 21, following in my my mother's footsteps. So I have a lot of passions, and and as you know, and some people may know, teaching is definitely one of those passions. And just getting as much as I can out of uh, the job, and you know, in, in many ways, it's not just the job. It's it becomes part of who we are and what we do. So that is me in, in a nutshell. I'm a teacher out here uh, trying my best. Hey, man. Hey, you're doing more than trying. I'm going to just go ahead and say it. If if you just trying, man, the rest of us dying out here. I'm just saying, man, because you, you are literally on fire, man. And <laughs> hey, look, not only are you on fire, but what I love about you is you use that flame to, to illuminate. You use that fire to shed some light on on what I consider maybe some interesting or oftentimes relatively unknown facts historically. Uh, and and after, I, after I got connected with you, I was like, man, my man is deep. Like he's he's got some perspective. He knows some stuff. And and I love the fact that that you share these historical truths in a way that sometimes is uncomfortable, 
but it's necessary. So we're going to get into that in just a second. But but I want to I want to talk with you about first. Let us know how did it get started because we got so many educators out there that got into this thing for the love. Like they got into it because their heart was on fire and it wasn't what they ate last night. It wasn't the heartburn. It was, it was the passion, man. But, but, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned because the, with the way things are going, you see more and more people stepping outside of their passions and going to another profession. And, um, I just think it's so critical that we be reminded of our first love and how we fell in love with this thing. Uh, can you talk to us about how, how teaching called you or if you called teaching, who called who? Who was on the line? I'll, how did it happen? I'll tell you how, I'll tell how, uh, you know, I'll say everything how it went down because it's actually a really interesting story and you might be surprised to know this, but I didn't want to be a teacher. I wanted to do everything but teaching because I'm the son of a teacher. So I saw my mom working late nights. I saw her, you know, cooking with the pot in one hand and grading papers with the other. I, I have these memories I saw her cutting coupons and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, staying late at daycares because she was, she was putting the time in and she really put the time and energy in. So I remember growing up saying, well, obviously my mom is working so much, so hard. I, I kind of, maybe I should try something else. And I was in college and I wanted to be a lawyer. So I was taking all these constitutional law classes and I was a senior at, in college. And I remember thinking, and I was having these debates in these, these classes and I remember thinking that some of these debates were taking away the human aspect of, of them and just focusing on the legal aspect. So I called my mom. I remember the conversation. I was a little frustrated about the, the path that I chose. And she said, why don't you come watch me teach and just see it from a teacher perspective? So the next time I was in town, I went and watched my mom teach at Shumut High School and just sat, sat in the back, you know, and just, just observed. And that was it. Didn't bring any paper or take, take notes. I just wanted to see what she was talking about. And I was blown away with how students were inspired and they were raising their hand and having good conversations. And I saw the joy that my mom had because I always saw the outside of it, you know, the hard work she put in, oh, got you. but I never really saw it from another perspective, you know, of her actually in the classroom and seeing it from maybe an outside perspective. So, so after that day, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll give this teaching gig a try. Maybe maybe I'll see, you know, what, what it's all about. So I didn't switch my major. I graduated with a degree in history, but I applied to get a, a master's in education from the University of New Orleans and apply for some che- teaching jobs. The only job that was available was teaching significant disabilities, special education at Trist Middle School. And so I showed up, you know, 21 years old with yeah. a tie, ready to go. And I remember the paraprofessional there, Miss Nina, she said, I wouldn't wear a tie if I was in this, this, this job. And I said, what do you mean? I want to look sharp and impress uh-huh. people. And I was teaching significant disabilities. So these students, they, they had, they needed a, a lot of significant. Uh, assistance. <laughs> yeah. And within five minutes, a student, I leaned over in his desk and he saw the tie hanging and he yanked it. And I remember I just fell forward and I was kind of like, you know what, this is going to be an interesting time. Yeah. And and then I started showing up day after day. And then I picked up the books and then I reached out to people. And then I started talking to people and I started learning and, and gaining the knowledge. And then when I saw students flourishing, despite the obstacles, I remember feeling after a year or so, because it's hard. Your first year is hard. So if any new teachers are out there, if your first year is going to be the hardest year ever. But I do remember falling in love with, with the profession a year or two within it and with it. And, and I never looked back. So it was an odd 
one year I didn't want to be a teacher, anything but, and then the next year, this is my call and this is what I want to do. Life, so I have life to, is so when, funny. It changes like that so quick. <laughs> right. And when you say who called who, I called my mom and I listened to her advice. She never pressured me to become a teacher. Yeah. She just invited me into her space to see it from her perspective. And then it was, then here I am still teaching. Listen to mom, y'all. Listen to, look, that, let, that, really. Hey, man, that's the book yeah, right yeah. there. Mom knows. Mom <laughs> knows. <laughs> I tell you that, no, Chris, thank you for sharing that because, you know, a lot of times people will see the accolades, they'll see the shine, but they don't understand the time that you got to grind and work at that craft, that, that there's no such thing as an overnight success. There's really only over life success. And, and hearing that this thing was a journey that you kind of fell into before you fell in love with it. Mm. I think that that can be something that's incredibly significant and powerful for somebody that may be listening. So don't worry if you wasn't, you know, summa cum laude, or maybe you was like me, summa cum lordy. Lord have mercy. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't have the best one. Like, it's so funny looking back on it now. I, I don't think anybody thought I was going to be an outstanding teacher. Like we were just mm -hmm. happy if my man got through, like, yeah, he, gra he graduated. And then fast forward, here we are. So don't judge the totality of the story based on the moment you're in right mm -hmm. now, particularly those that are going through the challenges uh, of, of COVID. You know, it's, it's, so, it's so interesting that your mother brought you in and for the first time you saw that juxtaposition, you saw that joy you know, next to the memories that you had of like the arduous stuff, like the hard right. stuff. Um, and I think that there are so many of us out here right now that honestly, we can't see the forest for the trees. And I'm mm. one of them too. So, you know, I, I've had some moments even in the last few weeks where I'm like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. But we forget that there's that joy. There's those small moments that become just bigger than life and that can fuel us, but only if we keep our focus on those phenomenal things, those small things. Um, so, so let me tell you, man, what, let me ask you, what, what, what are some of the small things that keep you lit and keep you on fire when you go into the classroom? Because I would imagine, you know, your, your, your school has challenges, your, your day-to-day -day life has challenges, even your students present challenges. You probably aren't in a utopia, right? So, so like, what is it when you go into the classroom? Cause there's somebody out there right now that's just like, you don't understand. I'm, I'm in this situation. How do you, how do you keep yourself? you know, on fire and, and, and purpose driven when you teach in a classroom each and every day? Yeah, you know, that's that's a good point because we have our obstacles as teachers. This We have, I mean, we're teaching during the pandemic, right? So the Delta variant was, you know, ravaging New Orleans. And then we have, obviously we're not paid the way we should be paid. So we have low pay, so we're not compensated. We work long hours. We're teaching in a hyper- uh, politicized climate, parents rushing school boards, yelling about different things and whatnot. So there is a lot that, that goes into the profession that you don't really think about until you're in it. But I would say the thing that keeps me moving, and this is not surprising because I think a lot of teachers might have a similar answer, are the students. Yeah. Sometimes I tell people I'm a, I'm a teacher and they say, oh, wow, you have to put up with those high school kids with the attitudes and blah, blah, blah. And I always say that the students are the least uh, of my issues. They're the reason why I do it. You know, they're the most understanding, the most caring, the most sympathetic, and they, they work really hard. And I've taught in uh, four schools at this time. And I could say across the board, most students also want the best. Yeah. And a lot of times their frustrations or their behaviors, when we look to the source of it has really nothing to do with them as humans. 
but external factors that may or may not be within our control. So I would say going into that classroom, seeing light bulbs go off, seeing different students uh, appreciating each each other, collaborating, having a good time, having having fun with learning, but also taking it serious when it needs to be taken serious, and watching that growth and watching humans in real time develop, because you can compare their work from day one to day 60, and you can see this significant jump. And to be a part of that is, is something that I think no other job can actually give you. So in, in terms of teaching, bar none, the job where I feel like I can make the biggest impact. And that's what I want to do, obviously, is make a big impact. And that's why people get into the profession. So, so for me, at the end of the day, what it really boils down to are the students, for sure. That's cool, man. And, you know, um, you know, I'm hearing you that that word impact, you know, uh, make an impact on the students. Your perspective plays such a huge role in that. Even thinking about the story you told with your mom, uh, about your mom, you you took that first job and my man, my man choked you out with the tie. Like like first day is like, ah, right. And, and most people have been like, I'm done. Right. There may even be right, a, a right. response or it may have turned into an altercation with some uh -huh. folks, you know, and but you said this is going to be interesting. And man, that is like such a powerful perspective to have. You know, there's there's educators out here right now that are thinking, yeah, but you don't know my kids. Like, like uh, you know, this generation, you know, they, they, they have no empathy, uh, they, 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 they're self-indulgent, you know, they, 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 they're, they're this, they're that. Or maybe there's that person, and I know you could probably speak to any one of these things. Maybe there's that person who's teaching at a school where maybe they are having the difficulty uh, connecting with their students personally because they can't get past the fact that their students look and seem nothing like them. How do you how do you get past yourself? How do you get past yourself in those situations to to see the heart of the child so that you can reach the heart uh, and most importantly the mind too and teach them? How how do you how do you do that? Because I I would imagine. I would imagine, look, I'm just just being honest, man. Our melanin count is a little bit different. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there for the, for the family that's, that's listening today, you know. And hearing where you're, you're teaching at, you probably got students that, you know, visually, if they look at you, they say, what does he know about me? And even maybe vice versa, maybe you had some of those moments. Um, talk to us about that. Have you faced anything like that? Or has it just been hunky-dory, all love, all the time? And if you face that, what, what, are, what are some of the key things that have allowed you to build bridges and not put up walls? I mean, that's a great question. And I want to touch on something before I answer that. You mentioned about how people kind of talk about this generation and, yeah. and they say lack empathy on their phones and, and whatnot. And I hear that a lot. And I, I believe that. But then I took a class where I read a book. I'll have to try to find it. And they addressed that point. And then they showed all of the different historical figures throughout history who complained about the generation. So I can't remember who it was, which Greek philosopher, if it was Socrates or Aristotle, but they were upset because they kept the kids these days weren't caring about philosophy. They weren't standing up when an adult walked in and whatnot. Um, Shakespeare was upset at the younger generation. And so Throughout history, we have always uh, put a lot of blame and emphasis on the younger generation being this and that. But I think sometimes that's because we forgot what it's like to have kids. And so yeah, we're judging yeah. people who don't have, you know, that, that uh, brain fully developed. So I always think about that when people say, you know, when because there are a lot of teachers who say that you're absolutely right. And so I think about, you know, people have been saying that for thousands of years. 
you know, but kids at the end of the day, they're hey, going to be kids, kids are going to be childish. The question yep. is, are adults going to be adultish? You know, I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I try and I have to fight it some days. I don't want to sound like the criminal on Scooby-Doo. Uh -huh. Like every <laughs> Scooby-Doo episode, he was like, these kids, right? Like every uh -huh. episode, like I would have got away from it if it weren't for yeah, these darn yeah. kids. And exactly. uh, I'm always and trying I, to avoid the Scooby-Doo, the Scooby-Doo syndrome. I, I, I think that's fair. I, I tell people, I say, if you want to know how, how people, how kids haven't changed in, you know, thousands of years, just Google the graffiti in Pompeii, Italy. And the, yeah. what the kids wrote on these walls, you can find in the bathroom of any school Man. in the US. So, and that was 2000 years ago. So, so I always think about that. In terms of teaching students who, who look different than me, because in most of the schools I've taught at, most of the students have looked a lot different than me. Uh, one thing that I always try to tell my students is, um, I let them know that obviously you've had a lot of experiences in this country that I haven't had as a white dude. And that's just the bottom of the line fact. And my job is to not to try to pretend like I have had those experiences and whatnot. But what I can do is, is listen and try my best to understand and empathize and allow people to have space where they can bring in those experiences to the content that I teach. With that being said, I also wanna front and center the history of the students that I teach. So if I'm going to teach U.S. history, I mean, you better believe that I'm going to be incorporating as many stories from marginalized perspectives as possible so students can see themselves reflected in the curriculum. And all the studies show, as you know, and many people know that that is what students, they feel the most engaged in when they feel it's most relevant, when they have the most ownership. So I definitely don't want to pretend like I understand what, you know, a lot of my students go through, but I do want to give them the space and opportunity to bring that into the classroom while I also try to focus on marginalized perspectives. I remember a um, quick little story. I applied to teach at Benjamin Franklin High School in the summer of 2020. I was worried about COVID policies and I saw they had a great COVID policy. After I applied, went through the interview process and I, I, I got this job, super excited. And then I saw a letter that the students wrote where they wanted uh, more teachers of color, especially in the history department. So here I am as, as a white dude. And yeah, I was kind of like, well, that's incredible that, that they want that. So I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't, you know, take this position and maybe open it up for others. But I called different people and educators and sought their advice. And Kimberly Eckert, who you know, yeah, man. 2018 yeah, Louisiana yeah. Teacher of the Year. Yeah, she told me, I remember she said, those students are saying that and it's perfectly valid. That's because they haven't had a white history teacher that was like you in, in that sense of, of you know, discussing so much history that has been left out. So I eventually took the job and a year later, I found out that some of the people who wrote that letter uh, actually recommended me, some of the students who wrote that letter recommended me for the job because they saw some of the activist work that I was doing in the summer of 2020. So at the end of the day, um, you know, being a white teacher teaching students who don't look like me, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. It's, it's just nothing about it. history in general should be tough and challenging. Mm. I tell my students, we're here to grapple with it. You know, some days it's not going to be fun. Some days we're just going to get real intense and serious. We're going to discuss debate. And I welcome them to challenge me, to challenge any bias that I may have and whatnot. And I give spaces every day for students to, you know, discuss maybe how I word things or you know, how can we make the canon in my classroom better? Who can, what authors can we bring in? So I would say uh, giving students ownership 
is probably one of the best ways to, to build those bridges. Because what you're doing is you're allowing them to build the other half of the bridge to connect with you, right? And then when you allow them to experience um, their own history, to give them space to, to uh, put forth anything that they, that they feel is important, whether it's their personal lives, things that I have never been through, or different things about their history that they want to see front and center. With all that being said, obviously, I'm not perfect. And obviously, yeah, I yeah. slip up. Obviously, I struggle. And with within that struggle, I think it's how we react to that struggle that makes us who we are, right? Do we get defensive if a student comes at us? We very well can. Mm-hmm. But what is that telling the student? Mm-hmm. I value your opinion until, until it makes me feel uncomfortable. And then <laughs> hold up, hold up. Or, you know, do we bring that opinion in or that perspective? And then we work with it and see how we can improve. So it's an ongoing process. It's, it's not going to be something that's going to happen overnight. And it's going to be something that we're going to have to continue to do as, as educators, because it's not, it's many issues, you know, some students come from a different class background, different gender, different, you know, all sorts of runs the gamut. So uh, trying our best to understand and giving them spaces where they can teach us. I think some of the best ways to, to go about it. And that's good. And you know, this is, this is, and I mentioned that because your situation um, is is not unique in the sense that you're the only person that's going through it. But what is unique about what you've done is, um, in my opinion, you have balanced that level of understanding and awareness. Like I meet a lot of folks that that say they woke, and sometimes they so woke, I'm like, can you take a nap? <laughs> like like it's, it's just too much. It's I'm, I'm just being real. It's my I podcast, so I guess I can say what I want. But it's just it's just like dial it down a few notches, right? But when I meet you and I, when I met you and sat with you and we spent, we spent quite a bit of time. There was a conference we got to spend quite a bit of time with. I was like, man, you could just feel like you, you see people before you see anything else. And, and I've always been a, a individual where, you know, and I may lose some people on what I'm about to say right now. But if you ever come up to me and say, I don't see color, you, I, I, you've kind of lost me because mm-hmm. it's a part of who I am. Don't say you don't see that, but you see my hat or you see my glasses or you see the work that I'm doing in the community. All of it's a part. My my challenge for individuals is can you see that color not at the expense of my character and who I am and individuals that can Mm -hmm. see what someone is but not lose who they are. I think that's when you send a message to people that they're loved, they're valued and they're wanted. And whether we're talking about ethnicity, race, uh age uh sexual preference or or gender or whatever it is at the end of the day i have to remind myself this because i too check this out chris i'm gonna go ahead and give a confession i too am not perfect (laughs) (laughs) come on we all just humanity on display man (laughs) we all just humanity on display and and what i know more than anything is that if i can just stop and take a moment to be mindful and look at that child and remind myself that in the heat of the moment, okay, or in that moment, I have to remind myself that that is not my student, that is somebody's child. And as a father, that bad boy hits different now because I got two children and I'll immediately think, how would I want someone to treat my child? 
Um, so for educators out there that, that may have that family dynamic that, that lends itself to that perspective, always say, put your child on the face of that child that you're speaking to, especially when they say the stuff that might get under the skin, especially when they may act a certain way is not the way that you were raised, especially when they may say or do or perceive things that are totally different from you, put the face of your child on that child. And if you don't have kids, you know, like think of those individuals that are precious to you that are meaningful to you. And if you could put their face, hey, you remember, look, this is a terrible movie from Louisiana, it's a terrible movie. Do you remember the Waterboy? Remember Waterboy, oh, Adam Sandler? Of course, Sandler? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Think about, remember my man, the, uh, what was the, he was the punter. You remember what he would do when he had to go punt the ball? Like he would he would put somebody's face like, right. like he, he would imagine people are there. And I, I always think about that scene because I think it's so important that we, that we see ourselves beyond ourselves, that we see someone else, uh, you know, because our experience should never negate someone else's, uh, I, well, I, I would say this, our perspective should never negate somebody else's existence or experience. Like that's so critical. So, you know, we kind of, we kind of transition from, from, from Chris's story, from his story to history, uh, and, and, and while we're in this history vein, I, I want you to I want you to talk to us about what it is you do outside the classroom because you kind of talked about the advocacy, but I'd like you to dig in a little bit more and let our audience know what you do because I'm gonna be honest, bro. We need to talk. We're gonna talk after this over with you. You low key TikTok famous, <laughs> like like you out here crushing the game, man. Talk to us about what do you do? What do you do outside the classroom? Because uh, a few people know you, man. A few people know you. I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've, I've always tried to stand in solidarity with my students and the struggles that they may be going through or that, you know, groups are going through and whatnot. So when uh, they're marching on the streets, I'm going to try to be right there with them. And I'm going to try to, you know, advocate in ways that I, I think are, are positive as well. As a history teacher, I try to recognize that history is, you know, it's not one and done. People are going to keep fighting for their rights and we have to stand in solidarity. Uh, with that. So in terms of advocacy, I definitely try showing up outside of the classroom as well. And, you know, we were teachers were exhausted in, in many ways, but I think that's just as important as the work you do in the classroom. So when you teach history and then you show up to try to help your students make history, I think those connections also help build bridges. In terms of, uh, of TikTok, I uh, appreciate you <laughs> mentioning that. I, I do make videos of little short one minute or three minute snippets of history that exists on the margins that's not included in any curriculum or any textbook and what that that my students want to know more about and that came about in an interesting way because i was making these content videos and during 2020 when i was teaching virtually and my some of my students would stay after and say these videos are pretty long you know i feel like you should make tiktok lessons and it would be a lot more engaging and i was like what do you mean long they're five ten minutes maybe 15 minutes tops and they said, yeah, but in this day and age, it's long, it's long. And so they uh, advised me to do TikToks. And I said, no, never going to do a TikTok. Let me be. But then they started bringing in different um, different facts and, and stories from TikTok. And I said, wow, so these students are actually on this app. And they really are listening to different lessons. And some of it accurate, some not so much. So I thought if we're really going to be teachers and meet students where they are, we have to meet them where they are. And they are on TikTok. So what I started doing, and actually I was, I was influenced a little bit by the January 6th riot. I saw that happening and these people just storming the Capitol. It was very disheartening. And so I thought about that piece of history that was happening. My students pushing for me to make a TikTok. 
And me trying to meet students where they are, I decided to make my first TikTok, which was comparing that riot to something that happened in Louisiana during the Reconstruction era, which was very similar. Mm -hmm. That if we study that, we'll understand what was transpired today. And then it just started taking off. It wasn't just my students. It was other students that started watching it. Made a few more. And then it was grown adults watching it. It was people in their 60s and 70s commenting, saying, I've never heard of all any of this and whatnot. Uh, so I would say I do try to show up for my students in, in those ways. And in terms of, of TikTok, now they get to say if they're interested in something, you know, if they're interested in the Underground Railroad to Mexico, which is barely discussed, yeah. then I'll go and I'll make a TikTok and I'll incorporate it into actual lessons and, and link it into Google Docs. So, yeah, I do try to try to show up in, in different ways and, and meet students where they are. I mean, it's the essence of teaching, right? We have to find what drives our students to be engaged and, and meet them there. We can just stay and say, no, we're not going to do these apps. We're not going to, you know, and then we'll lose some relevancy and the students might be a little bored. So I, I try to, yeah, show up definitely on the streets and put myself out there as much as possible and uh, produce content in, in spaces where they're going to be and that they want to see the content themselves. Meet them in the spaces they are, man. That's, that's, that'll, that'll teach and that'll preach. And, and I'm be honest, like I said, you even kind of convicted me on some levels right now. And that's beautiful. It's like, yeah, let me, let me start thinking about where my students are. They, my students were asking me to do something like that. And, uh, and I did like one, and then I was like, nah, but I, I'm hearing what you're saying. This is, that's the platform they're at. We got to go get them. Like they're not, they're rarely going to come up to us. We got, you know, when, when you out in the ocean, cause right now I'm, I'm, I've moved and I'm, I'm near the Atlantic ocean. They got the lifeguards out there. Could you imagine the lifeguard saying, Hey son, try a little bit harder. Come meet me. Like, <laughs> I mean, Baywatch, they running, they running out, they running out to the, to exactly, say exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's not a student's responsibility, right, to try to meet us where we are. Yeah. We're the professionals, the educators and whatnot. They want to live their lives as as kids, as teenagers. Right. So the onus isn't on them so much to, for this responsibility. I mean, that lifeguard analogy is great. Imagine someone out there drowning and the lifeguard was like, I'll meet you halfway. You know, yeah, no. <laughs> these <laughs> are our benchmarks. Out. These are our right. standards. Kids. Get <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, you know, and I'm laughing right now, you know, honestly, if I'm not, I'm not for folks out there, we, I'm not trying to be preachy to anybody. I am just being honest, like, like, as I'm sitting here, there's some things I need to get to work on. Like, and, I, and I'm going to do that. Like, if nobody else hears this today, man, Chris, you, you've blessed me so far, just by making me look at this again for the first time, you know, and, and ask myself, What's really happening? Who, who's really teaching? Who's really reaching? Uh, th those are things that we, I think we should be asking ourselves daily. Are we doing the work that we say we're doing? You know, my man that was the coach, they lost a game a while back in the NFL. And he was like, they're exactly who we thought they were, you know, at the press conference. You remember that? They're exactly <laughs> who we thought they were. And uh, I hope my kids can say that. I hope my students can say, Mr. Smith is exactly who we thought he was. I know, I know, Chris, I know your students are like, we know exactly my question today to those that are listening exactly who are you exactly what are you to them that's so significant you know in addition to all that you do uh your doing is pretty strong man but your being is phenomenal your being is phenomenal man you are like you are like top tier human being uh and and, and i say that because it's not just me saying it man i mean you you talk about the advocacy you talk about the education 
You talk about all these things, but watch this. You don't just do it at one level. Like he's doing it on the mm -hmm. campus. You're doing it in the community. You're doing it statewide, regionally, and even nationally now. I mean, low key, I mean, especially with the social media stuff, I'm sure there's even a global reach now that's happening. We don't always think about that stuff, but, but your impact has been phenomenal. And uh, you've been celebrated as a teacher of the year. And, and we talked a little bit about the national teacher of the year finalist. Uh, talk to us about that, man, just in your own words. How has that whole journey been? Because that's been amazing to watch from my side, from my end. I, I applaud you, man. Kudos on, on everything. Yeah, you know, I appreciate it. appreciate all the kind words. We should do this more often. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm feeling great right now. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that. Uh, the teacher of the year, that was a long, arduous process. I was named, I believe, in, in 2019 at Shelmet High School. I put in this application with not much thought into it, just kind of, okay, you know, I'll represent my school. And I think being voted at my school was probably the biggest honor yeah. of them all, right? You know, people that actually know you. Uh, yeah. Right, right. And so I put forth this application. I wrote these essays. I recorded myself teaching. And in my video of me teaching, I'm barely teaching. It's my students doing the work. But if you know about teaching, you know that it, it takes a lot to set up a place where your students are doing the work. And I didn't pick an AP class or an honors class. I picked just the kids that I don't want to call them regular because they are anything but regular. But yeah. the, the kids that, um, the you know. Stand, your standard yeah. class. Right, right. These are just. These, these are kids, you know, this is not any, you know, showcase or anything like that. And, um, you know, I made it to the semifinals. I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I was kind of like, end of the road there, yeah. you know. And then they brought us to the governor's mansion because they were going to name the, the finalist. And I remember being at the governor's mansion and they named eight people and I was counting. And I said, there's supposed to be nine finalists, three for each grade level. And so I was like, well, that was a nice run. You know, uh, my last name starts with the D. So it probably would it would have been called if they would. I didn't know how they were doing it. And so they, they had this uh, fresh shrimp for us to eat. So I said, I, that was a good run. So I took a massive bite of the shrimp, started <laughs> chewing it. And then I heard my name and I had a mouth full of food because I just didn't think it was going to be me. It's the Louisiana way, ladies and gentlemen. Right, right. <laughs> I rushed up there chewing food and I was so embarrassed, but I was at the end of the day, happy that, that I got selected. And then again, I, I did some more of the application process. And then when I was named again, absolutely shocked, but to be named right in front of my mom, yeah, you know, Louisiana teacher of the year, a lady who is still teaching, who is 47 okay. years into teaching. I invited her to DC, but she said, I, I can't go. I'm teaching. So that's just who she is. Oh, yeah, go ahead, <laughs> and, uh, So to win that in front of my mom and dad, you know, is that was probably one of the most surreal moments of my life because in many ways it was the phone call. It was her that put me in that space. So to win it, you know, for her, for the students, for the community, to earn it, you know, was, yeah. was really a remarkable deal. And then again, I wrote some essays for National Teacher of the Year without much anticipation. And then to be um, named one of the four finalists out of over 50 people because territories are included. Again, it it's just all very surreal. So this journey has been incredible. And I would say being able to advocate on a level that I've never had to advocate that was never available to me is, is just incredible because I would talk to my buddies. I would talk to coworkers and whatnot. I would be at bars chatting up at my thoughts on education and people would be like, okay, okay. But then to get a platform and That's now it. to go out and be able to say it to others who are invested and who are interested and then to push boundaries 
on a level that I've never been able to do before has probably been the most rewarding aspect of, of that journey. Man, man. And, and you know what? You know, we need as a profession, we need more people like us on those platforms, in those decision making rooms, uh, in, in those in those in those places where opportunity resides. We need more people there that can speak the truth and, and, and create that sound that that needs to be heard. So uh, I'm rooting for you, man. I hope I, I believe this. The journey is not over by any stretch of imagination. We always say keep on going. So I'm 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 gonna repeat that bad boy. Keep on going, man. And and, and I, I say this to to share this this thought before we transition. And that is I think advocacy and folks may be hearing this and they may be like, oh, well, but I'm 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 such and such great teacher at such and such school. And that's not really my my that's not that's not my vibe. That's not my thing, you know. Uh, but but I would say this. I think we all have an opportunity to advocate. And when we talk about advocate, I think it's adding value when it's done well. It's simply adding value. And a teacher is somebody who just talks but an educator is somebody who adds value they advocate for their kids they advocate for the moments that they have in their classroom they advocate for the opportunities that those kids will have to become everything that hopefully they can and should be and i think we all have a little advocacy in us and we should if you hadn't already i want you to I want you to consider who am i and what am I here for? You know, we always talk about our why. I think that's so important as a teacher to keep that flame going, to stay on fire, to stay lit, so to speak, like like my man Chris right here. You know, I always tell my students there's nothing special about any of us, but there's something significant about all of us. And, and even right now, you know, mm -hmm. your spirit of humility is powerful. But at the same time, too, man, it's like a little smoldering flame. You cool, but I know you know you somebody. <laughs> and that's why you're on here today, man, because you are somebody. You are somebody that we can look to, that we can find inspiration from. And most importantly, you're you're a model, man. You are a sound adult for everything that we want to be as teachers. So, um, look, we're, we're going to take a quick pause for the cause and we're going to come back. And I'm gonna challenge you with something, Chris. I say challenge. You know, look, y'all. I told y'all, my man is the man. You heard him. So we come <laughs> back. Like I, th I think about what I'm about to ask you. May not even be a challenge for somebody such as yourself because uh, I think this is going to be interesting, as you put it. So look, guys, we'll be right back on the other side of this. We're gonna share the good sound. Mic check one two one two. Mic check one two one two. All right, all right, you know what time it is. It's time for us to not just see the sound, but but to share that good sound, to share that good sound. I've always believed that that we're encouraged by words, right? We're encouraged by, I guess you can even call them testimonies. When we share the good news, Chris, you said something earlier. You're like, man, we need to do this more. And you know what? We should, we should. There's nothing wrong with us celebrating one another and saying, keep on going. Um, and I think that that we all find that encouragement in the words that we speak to and with one another. So um, I want you to do me a favor, man. I believe that everybody has a significance. Everyone has a sound, a unique personal significance. And the sound is not the audible, it's the internal. That sound is what we bring into the classroom. It's what resonates. It's what repels even, right? Our students and our colleagues. And, and I think part of that sound is waking up every day and making it our intention to be sound, having that sound perspective. That's why I call it see the sound. So I'm going to challenge you today to, to share with us what's one good thing that's happened to you today. What Tell, tell us one good thing, big, small. It's just got to be significant to you. One good thing. Share with us, man. Oof, that is a challenge. 
can I, can I do within the recent week? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Cause something really big happened to me within the recent week that I think would far outweigh me waking up and, and making breakfast and drinking coffee and, and grading papers today, which is also <laughs> significant and important. But uh, last Monday on the 18th, I was invited to uh, the White House. And there I had the opportunity to meet with Gail King, who did an interview uh, with CBS with the first girl, lady. Oh, man, that's my girl. I'm just saying, yeah. come on, come on, Chris. Oh, <laughs> I got I got Gail, if you listening, if you listening, I know Chris Deer. <laughs> I'll, I'll text you the selfie after this. I took a selfie with her because I was like, we really have to get a selfie. So, you know, it, it was it was amazing. It was great. And before that, I got to speak with officials from the Department of Education. The same day I met Joe Biden. I met Miguel Cordona. But what's really important in that day is that it allowed me to have an opportunity to carry on the legacy of my mom. They first asked me in the interview, you know, well, how do you feel about being here? And the White House can recognize. And I had to bring it back to her just like I did today. But not just her legacy. I get to carry on uh, the legacies of all those who come before me, yeah. my students, and put them. I get to tell stories of my students. And I, I got to bring their energy and their stories and their passions to the, the forefront on a national level just to have that opportunity and to try to bring it back to those who who are the reasons why I'm involved in this profession, I, I got to say, I, I I was on cloud nine and, uh, you know, my, I can't wait to talk to my students about this tomorrow because that's, that's when I'm coming back. Oh, that's right. Classroom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's fresh. Yeah. It's fresh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if there's anything, that is something that that I would say, just carrying on, carrying on the legacy of my mom who came before me and my students who were coming after me on, on that scale has just been, uh, you know, I get emotional thinking about it. It's yeah, just man. been incredibly rewarding and, and surreal and humbling because we, the last thing I'll say is we stay in the job despite all of that, because teaching gives us that opportunity to, you know, inspire, to empower and to give hope to students. But in return, we are often inspired and empowered by our students and they often give us hope for a better future so to be able to to, to do that and with those thoughts in mind yeah it's i'm i'm ready i'm ready to keep this this flame going and, and to bring it all to my students and, and beyond man man thank you thank you you know I, I i look i told you i told you world i told you i said this man here this man here is going to leave us with something you know, he, he, he's, bro, you historical, man. You're historical, meaning, meaning folks will look back on, on your life and the legacy that you are creating has left such an impact and continues to because your legacy and your impact is based on hope and perspective. Everything we've talked about today, it just keeps pointing back to hope and perspective. And that's why now more than ever, we need more people like you and we need your sound. We need your voice. And I, I thank you today for sharing just a little bit of hope with us and a whole lot of perspective today because somebody needed just that. And I want to challenge everybody under the sound of my voice to take those two things and run with it this week because it is challenging. And I'm not just telling you something I read out of a book. Look, I'm just like you guys. I'm, we're living it day to day and, and it is an arduous journey. But watch this. It's a hero's journey. And it's one that you're well equipped to make as long as you keep on going. I like to say it all the time. My boy taught me a lot. We watched, we watched the superheroes 
And no matter how great their superpower is, I notice now more than ever, them bad boys combined. They teaming up. You got the Avengers. You got Justice League. You got DC Comics. You got, you know, and the one time I saw the one superhero try to do it on his own, my man died. Superman. I mean, of all people, you'd think he would have made it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Chris? Like Superman. They took him out. Uh, we can't do this alone. We we okay. cannot do it alone. In fact, I only became the teacher I am because of other teachers, because of students challenging me and whatnot. So this, yeah, this is definitely not a job meant to do in isolation. So if there are any new teachers out there, reach out, reach out, reach out. And I promise, you know, there are people out there that are going to want to help as much as possible. That's it. It ain't a solo gig, y'all. <laughs> this is this is this is a corporate thing. And today, no matter where you may be and however you may be, if you're under the sound of my voice today, understand that you have a significance, you have a sound. So today I'm not speaking to an audience. I'm speaking to a symphony when we band together. Life is truly better when we band together. So do me a favor, guys. Um, I want you to stay connected with us. You know, of course, as always, MickeySmithJr.com. But Chris, talk to us real quick. How can we stay connected and invested into what everything that you're doing, Matt? Sure. You know, I have a website, chrisdeer.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at chrisdeer. I have a TikTok at cmdla. So my initials and in LA for Louisiana. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever medium you have, you know, feel free to reach out and connect. I'm happy to chat, happy, happy to discuss, especially if it's about, you know, my passion work, which is education and history. So those are the platforms you can find me on. And I look forward to, to meeting any, anyone who wants to reach out and connect. That's good. And he will, he will reach out guys. I'm telling you. So, so look him up, look at the things he's doing mm -hmm. and uh, be inspired by it, but most importantly, be encouraged by it so that you can be an inspiration to your kids. And remember this guys, remember this, this world we live in, it's the classroom and the life you live is your class. So do me a favor, keep on going and make your classroom sound, make your teaching epic. And I promise you, legacy will be significant until next time thank you so much chris thank you man thank you so much for having me and all the things you've said about me can very easily be said about you much appreciated until next time thanks Can you hear the sound, heartbeat of that motherless child? As we search for love, we all need a warmth of a smile. There's a sound that is so sweet when we hear, child, you belong. So let our words of love flow freely. Like a river strong And let us need the sound To change the world Let us be the sound To change the world Let us be the sound Child, as we search for love, 
Now 